Hello and welcome to the Controller Talk podcast presented by Danfoss North America. Our goal is to bring you information about using Danfoss controls in the supermarket and warehouse industry, specifically in the U.S. and Canada. We're still doing these twice a month for now. You can catch these podcasts on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and it's also available through the Danfoss Ref Tools app. For the video version, check us out on the Danfoss North America YouTube page. Search for Controller Talk to see our video collection. I'm Dave Yoder, along with Chris Brown. So, Chris, you're back from vacation. Yeah, not the tan I was hoping for, but yeah, I'm back. Non-tanned, rested, and ready. (laughs) Are you taking off time for the World Series since the Orioles will be there? They are still in the hunt. They pulled it out bottom of the ninth, two outs, two strikes last night. So You're so proud. Still holding holding out some hope. Okay, good deal. All right, remember, World Series, take that time off. You know, Chris, we have all these front-end controllers we could have been talking about since our debut on April Fool's Day this year, like the Axis 55, the 255, the 355, and the SM800, and we ignored all of those. So we're going to continue ignoring them ignoring them until a later date and fast forward right to the newest controller we have, the System Manager SM800A. No sense living in the past. That's right. Straight ahead. <laughs> Anytime a new controller is released, it immediately becomes the basis of many, many questions until people become familiar and comfortable with it. This one is no exception. We started installing these even before COVID-19 descended upon us, but it's been phased in by more customers this year than any other year. So every new controller is different in some ways, and that's usually what throws people off. They just want the last controller to remain because they know their way around it, and there's a comfort level that goes with it. Uh, Now, I've noticed that when a controller has been out for eight or 10 years, people start asking about new controllers, new features, and we start hearing about component shortages that affect the manufacture of older controllers. And uh, of course, that's true more now than ever. So Chris, let's get into what's new about this one and what's different. So with the 800A, you're going to hear us talk about security frequently. It's one of those things that no one really cares about until you have a problem with it, and then you need options to tighten things up. Security in our industry can be a a pain, but a bigger pain is the fallout from lack security. So, yeah, just ask the people at Target. Yeah, I just I just think the number of conference calls we're getting drug into that now involve people's IT departments and, and emails with somebody from the IT department on copy, that's just gone up astronomically. So it's right. just a reflection of what we need out of these controllers now. Yeah, I think people are trying to be more proactive than reactive. Right, exactly. Yep. So one of the things that makes the 800A different is there is no default password in it. When you power it on or totally clear it, you have to set up a password. And the password can be weak or strong, and it can expire if you want it to, but it has to be set up. So one reason for this goes back to January 1, 2020. The state of California, with its population of 39 million people, passed a law that went into effect on this date. Uh, Senate Bill 327 requires that all Internet of Things, or IoT, devices sold in the state have to meet certain requirements. And those are they have to be equipped with reasonable security. Uh, They have to have a pre-programmed password that is unique to each device or a device that requires a user to generate a new means of authorization before granting first access. 
If we get into the actual wording of the law, it defines an IoT device as a connected device, which means any device or other physical object that is capable of connecting to the internet directly or indirectly, and that is assigned an IP address or Bluetooth address. That covers a lot of stuff. Sounds like you're ready for your law degree. That's right. <laughs> I object. So basically, if we wanted to be forward thinking and stay out of trouble with the state of California, we needed to make some changes with the controller that we had at the time. Now, I did ask around within the company, and it seems that we did not specifically tailor the new controller to meet SB327, but the 800A gets us much closer to 100% compliance with that law. So um, we do have a process for dealing with lost passwords because that's one of the questions we get a lot. If you have no other choice, you can choose the forgot credentials option on the 800A at the point of login and follow the steps, which involve contacting Danfoss monitoring with the controller's MAC address and a special code. Both will appear on the screen along with the phone number that you would call. So I think here we're going to maybe a little more than normal. If you guys are calling into us for help, we may be asking you what the password is as opposed to the older models where we could kind of get in ourselves. We may need to know what we can log in with because we don't have it on our end. And, and then for you guys, especially the the guys that are uh, maybe at a startup and, and the controller's on a rack and it's the OEM that first powered it up, you're going to have to maybe touch base with them if they haven't already given you the code so that you can get it from them because they would have set that up in their factory when they powered it up. Right. Yep. They have to kind of pass that along. Exactly. Yep. So when you first power on the controller, you'll run through some setup screens. Things you'll see are setting up the initial username and password. Uh, the first password has to be a strong one, but after you finish that setup process, you can change the password to a so-called weak password and verify that it does not expire. Uh, you can enter the IP addresses or turn off network functions functions that you know you won't be using. You can set the time and date, and you can review connection with details for the wiring because it'll show you on the screen how to do that. Now, uh, this is a crucial step because you're setting up a new password that can be an easy one to remember, but if you don't make a note of it, you could forget it, or you could allow it to expire in a few months down the road. The message here is that it's not difficult, it's just that you have to review all the options and kind of get into a pattern. Yep. So the touchscreen is also new unless you've used the alarm logger for the 800 series controller. The touchscreen is designed so that things are spaced for your fingers, but using a stylus works well too. Um, so I've used a stylus that is just a rounded tip on the end of a pen and it actually works very well. You can find them cheap online. I just searched for stylus pen and a bunch of options came up. Uh, I did not uh, grow up using an iPad or a tablet, so I was kind of confused by the scrolling on this at first. But I noticed if you want to scroll down on the screen, you just put your finger on the scroll bar in the lower right corner. You push the thing straight up and, and you get the scrolling you want. They didn't have iPads in the... <laughs> Amish, Amish schools when you were growing up. They did not. The kids across the street had them, but not me. <laughs> no. So if someone would happen to tape a note somewhere on the screen, it's going to affect the touch response, and uh, it probably won't even respond at all, so you want to avoid that. Uh, it sounds weird, but it has happened. 
So naturally, there is some concern that guys with their oily, uh, their oily bear paw hands are going to ruin the displays right away, but I've not seen that. I mean, how many of us have touchscreens at home or work in the truck and haven't destroyed them? So I think people have adapted at this point. Yeah. Yep. So you can clean the display with a soft cloth, uh, but our recommendation is it should be damp, not wet. You should never spray directly on the screen. And if you're a, a stickler for using ammonia, you want to make sure that the maximum concentration there is about 4%. Yep. And my two cents on it is, um, I mean, just like any other electronic device out there, and, and what we've seen historically is we update our controllers, the firmware in them periodically. I think we average about two a year, I'd say, three a year. Uh, some of these enhancements that we're already seeing on the 800A are related to the touchscreen part of the controller. So, um, yeah, if we're talking about a software upgrade because you don't feel like you've got the best performance on your navigation with that touchscreen portion, that could be something that plays into that. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's the touchscreen. Uh, one of the other um, big enhancements that we've added in with the 800A now is Wi-Fi. So you got a guy at a startup. Um, wants to tap into his controller from a computer so he can maybe navigate a little easier and make changes as opposed to using the touchscreen for a bunch of things he has to knock out. Uh, in the past, the guy would have to hook up a, a switch or direct connect to the con controller or something like that to get that to happen. Now with the 800A, we've got a Wi-Fi option where you can and touch a, a Wi-Fi uh, logo that's on the top of the touchscreen on the display. And you get a little pop-up window. It gives you uh, some network details. So it's, it's essentially like you're connecting to a Wi-Fi router in your house or, or anywhere else, a coffee shop. So you'll bring up your Wi-Fi list in your computer, and you'll see one um, for Danfoss. I think Danfoss SM, and then the unit address is the right. format, Yep, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, it gives you that, that name on the, the pop-up window of the 800A, and then you're going to obviously choose that same option in your computer so that you're Wi-Fi'd into the controller. Um, gives you the, the, on top of the name, it'll give you a password if you have to enter a Wi-Fi password in to connect to that network. And then it's also going to give you what IP address is going to allow you into the controller. So when we're switching over to a, a web browser or store view web to connect into it, um, we're going to use that IP address that's given to you on the screen there. So it, it becomes really helpful when you're in the store and, again, you're trying to get to it from a computer to run through some things. Uh, the, the good thing or, or part of what's baked into the, the logic there is it's not a situation where you turn this on and it becomes a security risk where it's just perpetually on forever. So if you turn it on, it times out after eight hours and it'll automatically um, disable then so that it's not something somebody maybe taps into when they shouldn't be, but eight hours also gives you long enough where it's not a nuisance thing where you're in there every two hours to hit it again right? Yep. and start it back up. Um, I mean, there are some customers who think the Wi-Fi is a security risk. Um, so I, I think the message there is for people that have that concern that there's going to be versions of the 800, 800A uh, released in the future that aren't going to offer that Wi-Fi capability. So something to keep in mind there. On the controller itself, you're going to, if anybody familiar with the older 800, you know you had a little cover door there to the right of the display um, where you could connect your USB in. Same here with the 800A. You actually have two USB ports 
um, behind that cover that you can use. Uh, no difference between the two. So it doesn't matter if you're plugging into the top or bottom. You won't get any different functionality there. Just just two uh, redundant ports. Um, while you're in that cover, it's also where you're going to be able to find the part number of the controller and the MAC address. Uh, part number obviously comes into play with whether we have a TP78 or 485 version. Is it an 850 or an 880A? Um, so that, that plays into all that. But yeah, once you're inside of there, you'll see the ports where you can plug in the USB. Um, before you plug the USB in, if you're looking up along the top of your, your screen, you're going to see a little USB symbol there. Uh, and, and with no USB device plugged in, it's going to look kind of like an empty symbol, for lack of better terms. And then once you connect the USB in, you'll see where that, that icon at the top looks like a solid symbol that, that's highlighted more or less to where you can actually select it and get a drop-down menu. So once you would hit that USB option at the top, that's where you're going to see your different options of being able to do different things, like grab a screenshot of the controller, um, saving the database to USB. You can load a database in as well. Uh, saving the audit trail. So a lot of the same things we've had in the past with the USB functionality. And, and then plus some, um, there's some diagnostics logs we can pull out of it, uh, among other things. Some of the terms you're going to see when you're on that drop-down list are, are going to be import or export. And so I think there, just keep in mind that it's always in reference to the controller itself. So if we're talking about exporting something, it's from the controller into the USB. And if we're importing, it's importing it from the USB into the controller. Um, so yeah, just uh, keep that in mind when it comes down to whether you really want to import or export something. Something else that's that's going to come in handy for you, and we get questions on it all the time, is a guy's got a USB, he's got four racks in the store, and he's plugged that USB into all four racks to save the database. What happens when he needs to reload one of those databases? How can he choose between the four? And on the past controllers, you couldn't. You, I think it took the latest one right. of the four, if I remember yep. correctly. Yep. Um, otherwise, you had to connect the USB to a controller, or to a computer, rather, and get rid of the ones you didn't want or have a separate USB for each rack. Now with the 800A, you're going to have that option of being able to choose from multiple files. Um, so if you've got three databases on a USB, the controller is going to show you all three of them and let you choose. Uh, controller is based on a, a Linux operating system um, in the background, which is a good thing. It, it, I think it's more up to date without really yeah. going into more detail than that from what we've had in the past. Um, but yeah, make sure you're, you're removing your thumb drive and ejecting it from the, uh, from the controller using that eject option, just like you would on your computer, um, before you remove it. So tying that into the Linux operating system, kind of treat the controller like a computer and, um, eject that drive before you remove it. Right. Yeah. We, we're not, uh, design people. We don't design controllers for a living, but, uh, it just seems like the operating system being Linux, the increased amount of memory, the thing runs so much faster yep. than what we were used to. Um, so that's all good stuff. Yeah, yep. for sure. And then on the, the Ethernet or the network side, uh, I, I think we, we tried to challenge people a little bit here. Uh, so you've got, you actually have two Ethernet ports on the controller, and it's not necessarily going to be that obvious to you when you first break this thing out of the box or when you first put your eyes on it on a rack. 
Um, so the, right now, you've got your main Ethernet or network connection that is meant to tie the unit into a, a network of some sort so, so you can reach it remotely nine times out of ten. Um, but where you're plugging it into a router or switch. And so I think most people that haven't seen this before, they're automatically going to jump to assuming that that cable gets plugged in to the outside Ethernet port that we have at the bottom of the controller. Um, that's not the case. So what you actually want to do is take the cover plate off the bottom where all your other connections are for power and your, your communication, and you're going to see another port inside of there just to the left of the middle. Um, of the of the device when you're inside of it. And so that's actually where you want to take your cable for your network connection is into that. It's what we refer to as Ethernet zero. <clears throat> so you have a comm screen where you're going to be able to see port statuses and, and Ethernet zero is the one that ties to this connection inside of the, the controller as, of, as opposed to outside of it. Um, the one on the bottom of the controller, on the outside, that's referred to as Ethernet 1 in terms of how the controller looks at it. Nothing that you can actively do with that right now. We know that coming down the, the road eventually, devices, secondary devices, um, whether it's a pack controller or a case controller or what have you, uh, probably see the shift in those things moving to IP Ethernet communication uh, away yep. from what we're doing today. Yep. And so that plug is going to be able to be used for something like that in the future, but not where we want to connect our Ethernet port right now. All right. Okay. So that's a pretty good start on the ins and outs of the SM800A, but um, it's just the beginning, really. Um, when we come back in two weeks, we'll cover some more topics on this controller to kind of help people get up and running. Yep. All right. So, Chris, it's your favorite time of the uh, episode, and that's where I throw a question at you and try to see whether or not you have an answer. I... Shaking like that Orioles game last <laughs> night. <laughs> All right. So um, I think this is a pretty good one. Um, if you have the answer, I'm going to be quite impressed. But um, so as you know, there's a website just for the 800A. Hmm. you have any idea what that URL is? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just Google 800A and get that around? <laughs> you could. <laughs> yeah. But for sticklers, uh, I'll take that. You're, uh, yeah. You don't even want to venture a guess. We'll, we'll just jump right to now and move on. <laughs> okay. So for people who are wondering, it's ak-sm800a.danfoss.com. Pretty simple. Easy enough. Yeah. But yeah, Google <laughs> is, uh, is a good way to approach that as well. All right. So we'll get some mail on that one, yep. making these too hard again. <laughs> All right. So listener mail, Chris. Um as you know, over in the Czech Republic, uh, Václav from Carrier has been listening, and we talked about the CC55 yes. uh, a couple weeks back, and he wanted to know uh, regarding the controller, if you have a Bluetooth display, uh, if you don't have a system manager hooked up to it, can you actually lock out the display so that you know, someone else who really, really wants to, to mess with it can log on to it. Mm -hmm. But they would have to actually be able to reach the display, first of all, uh, and know what they're doing and have the app. But his question was, uh, can I lock it out without a system manager? Yeah, no, nah, there's no way around it if you don't have the system manager. Yep, yep. Hide it. Yeah, exactly. Or Get, uh, get the yeah. system manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be walking around with black tape and put it over the... Uh, 
symbol if I really was worried about that. And then I would know where the symbol is, but no one else would. Yeah. That's one way to deal with it. Yeah. All right, Chris. Well, that uh, almost wraps it up for this one. But um, if you'd like to drop us an email with a suggestion for a topic or to cover a question or comment, you can email us at ControllerTalkNorthAmerica at DanFoss.com. That's ControllerTalkNorthAmerica at DanFoss.com. Thanks for listening. Our studio and video engineer is Michael Don't Call Me Mike Beckerman. Our audio engineer is still that international man of mystery that we have never met, Raul Garcia. And our Romanian rotational global intern is Maria, and she recently earned a spot on the staff. So she's going to drop that title and get a new one that we have not decided on yet. But she's staying in the U.S., so we're going to see more of her. And Chris is going to teach her how to drive like an American. (laughs) So welcome to Maria. Until next time, for Chris Brown, I'm Dave Yoder. Stay cool.